38 years, so I finally uh, make it back every now and then. But we're praying and working and uh, seeking God's face that uh, this could be much more often than we work through and Marcus and I as we work through Philippians and some other things. So I'm thrilled that I could be here, especially today. It's been a really cool day already. And uh, we'll continue as we look at the Word of God together and then go have lunch together. And uh, so I've got 15 minutes. Those of you that know me know what? Uh, that ain't happening. But I made a promise. So... But you know what? Everything we've we've done today has been exciting. I could pray. We could we can move on, and I know that's what you'd rather have happen. Just pray, move, amen, and move in. So, I will be finished at twelve o'clock tonight. <laughs> I want you to turn to Philippians chapter one. And what I'm going to do, and you can look at your little handout. I am not going to uh, go through these verses and exegete them. Marcus has already done. Verses 1 through 11, and uh, I'm currently doing that at Arlington as we preach through Philippians together over the next couple of months. What I want to do today, if you'll notice the top of your handouts, is a gratitude a fellowship. I want us to get a sense, I want you to get a sense uh, of my heart, what this book did in my life uh, years ago, the first time I ever taught it in, in a precept study and preach that quoted all the time, um, uh, many of the verses I've memorized, you have as well and don't even know it, uh, so many things in this four little chapter book, a couple of pages in your Bible, so here's my challenge to you over the next couple of months, in your daily devotional time, once, twice a week, it won't take you 10 minutes, read the book of Philippians, just read through it, we're talking about what, two, two and a half pages, so Read it in prayer. Say, Lord, this is my favorite book in the Bible. I love the book of John. But this book, Philippians, changed my life. And I've been in the ministry three, four, five years. I love the Lord. I was teaching. And, and, but when I got a grip on the theology of this book, to rejoice in your circumstances, no matter what they are, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When I grasp that, when I grasp, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, and I still struggle with worry. Scott and I were joking about that this morning. We all do. But when I grasp that that was a sin from this book and from the Sermon on the Mount and realizing that God wants me to trust him, the theme of the Bible is, is uh, the righteous live by faith, Habakkuk. That's the theme of Scripture, the righteous. Not the really good people because we ain't those. The righteous are those who are God's children. I'm so, so touched today by thinking about children and looking at them and, and realizing how special they are to our Lord and to us. And I think about our after-school care and our daycare and, and our church. And one of the things I want to say today, I, I, I want us to understand this gratitude of fellowship. The word fellowship means in Greek, get together and eat spaghetti. <laughs> we'll be doing that here in a few minutes. Most churches, that's what it is. You get together and you eat. That's fellowship. Now, it's such a powerful word in, in Greek, at koinonia. It means to get together. What it means is to share in common. What do we share in common? Whether you attend Christ Church or not, 
does not matter. Believers, we talk about the Lord's table. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ share some incredible things in common. What I want to get away in the next 15 minutes from today is this. As a local church, Christ Church Bartlett, Christ Church Arlington, as part of those communities, as a local church, there are certain things we share in common. But also we share being part of a community. Bartlett, Arlington, and North Shelby County, anyone that wants to be part on a local basis of what the Lord is doing, we get to share in that. For the after-school parents, I want to say to you, we genuinely look at what we do with our after-school kids and our daycare kids as ministry. We love them. We care about them. Now, does, does that always come across? Is everybody perfect all the time? No. Had a funny thing happen to me this week at Arlington. I was in the restroom, and they didn't know that I was in the restroom. I was, <laughs> I was in there in in. And, you know, they bring the little boys in to go to the bathroom, and one of the teachers snapped on one of them. Now, listen, if you're dealing with little boys all the time, might you lose your cool every now and then? Uh, yeah. Of course, he had no idea I was in there. So, he, and so it's a nice young man, and, and I get through, and I walk out, and his eyes got as big as one of these lights. <laughs> oh, my God, the principal caught me. <laughs> you know what? I appreciate people that can... Spend time, day after day after day, with children and love them and be there for them. And parents, be hard sometimes. We consider that ministry. We share it in common. We love your kids. We want to be part of their lives. We want to watch them grow up. We want to watch them come to know Christ and to grow in Christ and, and see them down the road. I was at a basketball game. I coached a little boys basketball team this but this afternoon, I, 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 we play on Sunday afternoons. A lot of times we have a game. Last Sunday afternoon, we had a game. And I get through, and these kids are 13, 14. I've coached many of them since they were five years old. You know, watching them develop, watching them grow, not just in basketball, but in, in some of them live in my neighborhood, and I'll hear them scream out, Coach Randy! I love that. So I'm leaving. I'm just leaving the gym at Singleton, and I hear some from, them from the other court. There's two courts there. Coach Randy! I said, wait a minute, my boy's on this court. Who, who is that? And here comes like four or five kids that I haven't coached in years, but I coached them when they were little fellas. Now they're bigger than me. They were, they were, they were the 16, 17-year-old kids on the other court, and they, came, they saw me, and they came over and wanted to talk to me. Just the fact I got to be involved, and, and uh, out of that group, I think one of them goes to our church, the rest of them don't, but they still remember. You get that opportunity to pour into them. Fellowship, the gratitude of fellowship. I want you to see the heart of the Apostle Paul. The sharing in common, part of a local church, part of a local community, but we're also part of the church universally. We had life choices shared this morning. When you give to Christ Church, part of that goes from the ministry of life choices. When you give to Christ Church, we have local missionaries like, like Eternal Bread. We have worldwide missionaries like Ron Seatron and Solid Rock and Trans World Radio and, and on and on. Missionaries around the world do try his mission. Now, ethnos, that we get to be part of what God is doing in places like Baborigami, Mexico. I'm never going to Baborigami, Mexico, but every month I get to be part of what's going on in Baborigami and crew because I and we give to them. So what I want you to take away from Philippians, Ray Stedman, a great theologian that I love to follow and read, 
He described Philippians this way, quote, it's theology in street clothes, end quote. What theology is, what you believe about God. And what the book of Philippians does is that it gets right where you are, where you live every day. How do you interact with kids in the bathroom? How do you interact with kids that you're coaching in basketball? How do you deal with parents that might be a little upset? Do we lovingly, caringly share, care for, and minister to people as believers? What I want you to see is the heart of the Apostle Paul is gratitude of the fellowship he had with these believers at Philippi. And I hope as you read it, if you get a chance, as we go through Philippians, you can hear Marcus is going to be sharing Philippians, and I'm also going to be sharing it if you get a chance. Because I want you to see my heart, not just how much this book changed me, but my heart for you as a senior pastor of Christ Church. You get a chance during the week, go to the, the uh, our website or go to Facebook Live Arlington and Listen to, to my sermon. I never ask anybody to do that. But I honestly believe the Holy Spirit will use it because of what it's done in my life and in yours. I was reading about an uh, airplane. You turn to Philippians chapter 1. We'll get there in a minute. We'll be done in seven minutes. Boy, howdy. I was reading about this airplane. It was flying. You know how the captain will come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain. Well, the captain comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem with our navigation system, and we don't know where we are. However, I would like you to know that we're making really good time. <laughs> and I think sometimes as Christians, that's our life. I don't even know where I am, but I'm getting there real fast. And what Philippians will do for you is set you free to realize it doesn't matter what's going on around you. That fire you might be in, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or whatever it might be, or, or the lion's den, whatever it might be. Some of you are going through some very difficult times. But not only is God right in the middle of it with you now, he's beyond it. And what he wants you to do is take this opportunity in how you respond to your circumstances to let people around you see what it means to have joy. Joy doesn't mean you're giggly and happy all the time. That means you're crazy. Joy means you have a contentment. I love the title, Marcus, but for our series, it's unspeakable joy. That you have a contentment and a peace within, even though the world is raging out of control around you, which it is. That you have a contentment and a peace that only other believers understand. That's fellowship. We share it in common. All right, look at number one on your hand. I'm already at number one. Woo! We're rolling. Number one, here's what we share, Greek, share in common, fellowship. Number one, we share the fellowship of salvation. We're believers in Jesus Christ. We're part of the same body. Look at verse three. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. As Paul talks to them, and he writes to this church that he loved, and you already, we've already gone over that, you're not going to go over it again. He loved this church. He called them his joy and crown. He thinks about them all the time. And every time he thinks of them, what does he do? He thanks God for them. I mentioned earlier I've been on staff here for 38 years, and, and Mary and I love to come back, and we love to run into people. We were at, a, uh, at Ray's funeral. We saw several people that we haven't seen, some of them, in 30 years. And it brings a smile to your face. 
when you think about them, when you get to see them, the memories of maybe what God has done together. Remember, where's Paul as he writes this? He's at Rome under house arrest, expecting to be go on trial and be executed. And he writes to him and says, I'm thinking about you. Not, how am I going to get out of here? I'm thinking about you. Verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine make a request for you with all joy. I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. I think so many times as believers we say to someone, would you pray for me? Or we say, I'll pray for you. Like sweet Martha Jackson, Ray going home. And we say to Martha, I'm going to be praying for you. What do we need to do? We need to pray for her. Not say it. Do it. Because prayer is, as Hank Hanegraaff has said, is firing the winning shot. The most important thing I can do for you. It's the most important thing you can do for me. And as leadership, we beg you to pray for us. We need the wisdom of God. We pray for it constantly. We ask you to pray for us. That we'll always be right in the center of God's will. I love the Lord's Prayer. And there are two principles in that prayer. One, God, how can we honor you, glorify you? And two, what's your will, Father? Never, not about me, it's about you. And it's about you and me. That's what you'll get from Philippians. He's praying for them. And he considered it a privilege to pray for them, that he got to be part of their lives. Remember, he's in Rome. He doesn't think he's ever going to see them again. He said, thank you for allowing me to be part of your life. But then look at the, the end of verse 4. Request for you with joy. That joy we're talking about, that unspeakable joy. What about the Philippians? Despite their poverty, despite their persecution, when he thought of them, it brought a smile to his face. They'd been good to him. They were important to him. He had started that church. We read about it. We talked about it. Marcus taught on it in Acts 16. And then drop down to verse 6. He's confident of, about them. Verse 6. I'm confident of this very thing, that God, he who has begun a good work in you, salvation, you've been born again, God, he's begun a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Individually as believers, God saved me, he's begun a work in my life, and corporately as the church, and you break it down to the local church, he will finish what he started. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He's begun something, we're in the middle of it, and he will finish it. And we get to be part of that. Whether you're in Rome, you're in Philippi, or you're here, we're part of the same fight. And he got to be part of it with them. He was confident about them, that they would persevere, that they wouldn't give up, because God was at work in them. And then verse 5, secondly, there in your handout, you share the fellowship of servanthood. Verse 5. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That's what he's grateful for, that they shared the gospel. They were partners with Paul in ministry from the first day until now. That Acts 17, when he began the church, from that moment forward, they had a consistent testimony of serving and giving. They gave to the apostle Paul, and they, beyond their ability, they were, they were struggling. It was difficult. They were under persecution, false teachers. And yet they begged Paul, they begged him, please take our money. Please, we want to be part of what you're doing. Let us in on it. Please take our gift. He's grateful that Epaphroditus brought, them, brought him the gift. 
proven themselves. They share grace together. Verse 7. It is right for me to think this of you all, the joy, because I have you in my heart. He loved these people. Inasmuch as in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, all of you are partakers with me of grace. They were special to him. He loved them, and he looked at them as partners in ministry, not a church he started and then moved off. Partners in ministry, defense of the gospel. It is right This is for me to think this of you. What I do, you're part of it. Jesus called me and told me to take the gospel to the Gentiles, and you're part of that, even though you're not on my missionary journey with me. And that's why I want you guys to understand that we are partners, whether it's after-school care or state care or it's life choices or it's eternal bread, it's what we, what we do on Wednesday night with Quest, Quest, all the different things that we do. It's all part of us as believers, one. We'll talk more about that through Philippians. Verse 8, they share this, he shares this great affection. God is my witness. I greatly long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. If God is your witness, you don't get much better than that. And it's a special affection. It's not natural. It's not human. It's supernatural and it's spiritual. The affection he had for them. And then number three, I've never preached this fast in my life. Number three. The fellowship of sincerity, I love this, what we share in common. Verse 9, and Marcus has already exegeted these verses, so we don't have to do that. Let's see three quick things, big picture. Verse 9, growing love. I pray, this I pray specifically, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Grow, make wise choices. Verse 10, grow in this, the sincerity of a true godly lifestyle that you may approve, choose the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Jesus Christ, that theology and street clothes, that when I inter interact with you, and you may be a total stranger to me, but that when I, when I interact with you, I'm genuine. The word approve means like they would assay metals. Is this pure gold or not? It's sincere means it doesn't, it doesn't have a crack in it. It's, it's real. It's genuine. That when I interact with you, you know that he's not fake. He's not a hypocrite. Even though at times we all do things that are hypocritical. But by and large, he's real. He's genuine. It's not what you see is what you get. That's who he is. That they were, and Paul was so excited about these people. And in verse 11, this fellowship of sincerity, glorifying our God. That's what it's all about. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of and the praise of God. We share amazing things. We're grateful that we're saved. We're grateful that we get to serve together. We're grateful that we can be genuine. I'll close with this story and then turn back over to Marcus. A guy named Rory Robertson, not Rory Rogers, for those of you old enough to be like me. Rory Robertson one of the founders of Navigators. You may have heard of Navigators and Discipleship Ministry. He was one of the ones that found one of the founders. And in World War II, he was at Pearl Harbor on a, a little date you might have heard of, December 6, 1941. You may have heard of that date. I'll make sure I get this correct. He was on a ship called the West Virginia. It was docked at Pearl Harbor. 
on December 6th. He said several of the guys in his group, they left and they went to a Bible study that night. And they all sat in a circle, and the person that was leading the Bible study said, I'm going to go around a circle, and we want you to share your favorite Bible study. I mean, excuse me, your favorite Bible verse. This happened to me once when I was young, and I didn't even have one. It's exactly what happened to him. They're going around a circle, and he suddenly realized, I don't have one. He said, well, I know John 3.16. I'll use that one. You ever been there? I got John 3.16. I'm going to use that one. Well, the guy next to him uses John 3.16. You man, he took my verse. And he said, I realized right then, I'd go to church three times a week in my family. I didn't know anything. I wasn't growing. I just went because that's what we do. So he rehearsed John 3.16, didn't get to use it. So later that night, he goes to bed, and here's what he's thinking and praying. Robertson, you're a fake. You don't even know anything. 7.55 the next morning on December 7th, 1941, the Japanese Imperial Fleet was attacking our ship and the other military installations there at Pearl Harbor. And we were all called up, go to your ship, start firing. The ship that he was on, or the crew that he was with, they had just been in training. All they had were fake bullets. He said, we're firing rubber ammunition at these planes, hoping to scare them. He said, that's when I realized that's what I've been doing my whole life, was firing fake ammunition. And I made a decision right then, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to be real. That's what we share. A God who is real, a salvation that is real, and a fellowship we share in common that's genuine. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that as a local church, as a community, we could be part of something special. And even internationally, Lord, you allow us to do that. Thank you for that fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Randy. Sorry to cut your time short. Hour and a half next time. You heard it. Um, no, I really do appreciate that. I know Randy and I both struggle with being able to keep things sometimes in, in a timely manner. I know how much he loves to be able to preach the Word of God and how excellent he is at, at doing that. So I do encourage you guys, as we're doing the Philippians series, to um, you can check out uh, Randy's messages on the website or on the Facebook page as well. So.